Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Was I being difficult last night at dinner? I, did, I wasn't intending to be difficult. Was I, was I being difficult? You were not more difficult than usual. <laughs> Is that... I don't know if that's the answer I was looking for. We, we Last night was our uh, engage anniversary. That's right. Nine years ago. Three hundred... 3,285 days ago. Yeah, I asked Kat to uh, marry me, and she said, yeah, whatever. And so we did. Uh, so we went out to dinner last night, and we we tried a new place. Yeah. And you were so sweet. You're like, do you want to just go to a place that, that you know, because you know that there's stuff there that you like? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, no, let's, let's go someplace different. Yep. And then I was horribly disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and just for future reference... Not all veggie burgers are the same. No, of course not. Um, And we knew, I think we knew going into it when you saw that it was a homemade veggie burger, you were like, I don't know. And then you got it and you were like, what is this? It doesn't taste anything like a burger. It tastes like herbs. Well, you know what it was? (laughs) It, It was browned on the outside, but it was pasty green in the middle. It tasted like Crest 3D White Radiant Mint. I know my toothpaste, sweetie. There was nothing minty about it. And then I was like, well, just maybe you can get a second side of mac and cheese and and that'll satiate you. Yeah. yeah. You were like, this mac and cheese isn't cheesy (laughs) It was cold, too. She brought you fries and you were like, I don't like these. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say it to her. Well, I I did say that I didn't like them. She said, how is it? And I said, well, she likes them better than I do. Mm -hmm. And then I said, I'm sorry, I'm not complaining. Yeah. You know, I just just take this food and be gone and darken my door no more. <laughs> I had a really nice dinner. Oh, well, good. I'm, so. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you did. Anyway, happy, happy engage anniversary to you. <laughs> In December of 2021, an investigation was opened up into a cyberbullying attack. It ultimately became an investigation into a cyberbullying attack slash stalking 
The victims that were targeted were both underage, so their names are not included in the story. Okay. But it involved a teenage girl and her then, as of that time, her boyfriend. For over a year, they both received threatening and taunting emails from an unknown person, and they were just vicious and mean. And although the cyber bully slash stalker had set up a system that helped them remain anonymous, at least initially, investigators and profilers deduced that it was probably a teenage girl about the same age as the targets were. Well, I was going to say it's either a teenager who had a thing for the, mm. the boyfriend or a teenager who had a thing for the girlfriend. Yeah. They were able to deduce this by analyzing the... This is so cool. They analyzed the way the person typed, the slang they used, and the uh, internet abbreviations and so on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They were able to say, okay, well, this is probably like a 14-year-old girl. Yeah, it's like if you read my text, you'd be like, oh, this is a millennial. An elder <laughs> one, though. Look at all those laughing emojis. Both teens went to Beale City School. It, well, they went to a school in a Beale City School District in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. The mother of the teenage girl and the mother of the then boyfriend began working together with school officials to try to identify who the cyber bully was. Moms were sleuthing? Oh, they were sleuthing about. I love it. The two mothers worked very closely with school officials in trying to put an end to this. Um, The teenage girl's mom had connections and resources within the school because she was actually a basketball coach there. So she was able to rally school officials around the cause and they began investigating because they assumed that this person probably went to the same school and Mm -hmm. they knew a lot about the victims. And weeks went by, though, with no luck. The messages had begun in early 21, uh, 2021, like in January, and continued for nearly a year after the two mothers and the school officials were unable to turn up any kind of evidence to suggest who was responsible for the cyberbullying. It was turned over to local law enforcement authorities, and they opened their own investigation. I can't imagine anything that would um, infuriate me more than somebody cyberbullying Well, anybody I love, but especially a minor, a kid. Yeah, yeah. So they opened up their own investigation, local law enforcement did, and they they decided that they were going to try to trace the messages through IP addresses and and that sort of thing. Technology that the school district did not have. Okay. The person who was doing the cyberbullying was actually doing a pretty good job hiding who they were. Oh, okay. In fact, they were using a VPN, virtual private network, Mm -hmm. uh, to change locations and to help hide the IP address. That's very sophisticated. It's pretty sophisticated. On the rare occasions that cellular data was used, they were still not able to identify who the phone belonged to. It was like somebody was using a burner phone or something. Oh, you said burner phone, and suddenly I want to watch Burn Burn Notice. Notice. I knew, I knew. (laughs) Anyway... This person was able to shield and cloak their digital identity pretty effectively. Now, did you come across this story because you have been internet sleuthing a lot lately? (laughs) I do it legally, okay? Well, of course you do. Yes. No, it just came across one of my uh, go-to sources for stories. Okay. So I mentioned this was a cyberbullying slash stalking. 
And up until this point, local authorities considered it just cyberbullying. But what they were able to determine was that even though they did not know who owned the cell phone that was being used Mm -hmm. to send these harassing texts and emails, they were able to pinpoint what towers they bounced off of, and they were able to triangulate roughly the area that these uh, things were coming from. Got it. And they, what they discovered was that uh, the texts and the emails were coming from the girl's neighborhood, relatively close by. And frighteningly, when her family went on trips, it seems as though this, this person followed them. Now it's become stalking. And this terrified the family. So the FBI got involved. It's pretty serious shit. The computer crime division of the FBI uh, joined the investigation. And as you can imagine, the FBI has far superior computer tracing resources than local officials might have had at their disposal. Mm. And they were able to start analyzing the data that they received. And I mentioned that uh, this person was using a VPN which is a great tool if you want to watch Netflix or Hulu shows that are only available overseas. Sure. The VPN will hide the data from the internet provider. That's how um, I was able to watch Spaced for the first time. They are, however, significantly less effective when you're trying to fool the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Sure. The FBI's investigation uh, lasted for a couple of months. And there, there was just so much data to go through. They had tens of thousands of text messages and social media messages. In total, there were 349 pages of very disturbing texts and messages targeting this uh, young girl and her boyfriend. Most of them for the young girl, but but her boyfriend. And, and also, it started branching out to a lot of her closest friends. Isabella County Prosecutor David Barbary said the digital footprint was just insane. But what kind of things were were the messages saying? Were they threats? Were were they just... Threats. They were demeaning. They were um, demoralizing. Barbary went on to say that when the case first came into his office, he said, quote, it was bizarre. It was almost hard to believe. And by and large, it was mostly just harassing type text messages, demeaning, demoralizing, and just plain mean. So finally, investigators were able to identify an IP address that would pop up for a brief second before the VPN that could shield it and would pop up briefly again when the VPN was shut off. Okay. Barbary said that eventually they were able to see the IP address was popping in and out right right before and right after these messages were going through. The FBI was able to confirm that the IP address that was being used to send these messages was coming from the victim's house. (gasps) Like a the call is coming from inside the house kind of situation. This was shocking. Was the victim sending herself these messages just for attention? Well, the answer to that is no. After putting all the pieces together... The story suggested that the person responsible for the cyberbullying of this young girl and her boyfriend was, in fact, the young girl's mother, <gasps> Kendra Gale Lakari. Oh, my gosh. FBI. Wh- why? Yeah. What? Yeah. Why? For over a year, FBI notified uh, Beale City Superintendent William Chillman 
that it appeared as though Lakari was involved in the cyberbullying scheme. The superintendent said, quote, even when we got to a point that we realized it wasn't a kid, we weren't expecting that to be. Well, no, especially because, like, the mom knows that the FBI is involved at this point. Yeah. He went on to say, when they informed us later in the spring that they were, they suspected this, that it was possibly her, it was a shock to all of us. I think everybody involved. So... FBI and law enforcement confronted Lakari, and it's reported that she made a full confession, according to Barbary. The 42-year-old woman allegedly used VPN software and, and several different numbers and area codes to evade capture. She was arrested. She's facing five charges, including stalking a minor and obstruction of justice, that's according to the criminal complaint that was filed against her. Is she, there also a charge for being like a dickhead? Because that's beyond <laughs> really breaking the law. That is horrendous. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not a good way to build a relationship with your daughter. Bakari faces up to 10 years in prison if convicted of the top count. She was released on $5,000 bail after her arraignment, which was just this past uh, December 12th. She stopped working at the school before her role in the scheme was uncovered. Her departure was, in fact, due to staffing changes, according to the local superintendent. But even now, knowing all that we do, the big thing is we don't know what the motive was. Why would a mother cyber bully her own daughter for over a year? We're talking tens of thousands of texts. And as we all know, Online bullying, any kind of bullying, can have a psychological, social, and emotional effect. Finding out that it's your mom. Can you imagine that? No. And you said she was released. Was she released to her home where her child still lives? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is horrible. If you or someone you know is the victim of cyberbullying, StopBullying.gov provides information from various government agencies on bullying, cyberbullying, and uh, the prevention and response. I got my information from All Things Interesting and ABC News. Yeah, what a shitbag, in my opinion. I think in anyone's opinion. Yeah. There is no defense for that. No. There's nothing. No. I'm horrified. I can't think of a motive. You know, we could speculate, but it's just so far removed from anything that I could understand. I guess that's a good thing. I guess. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's 
A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code oddities at checkout and you will save. Thanks Aura Frames for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. And now... That thing in the middle. Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland was once banned in parts of China. The governor of the Hunan province in 1931 said, Bears, lions, and other beasts cannot use human language. To attribute them to such a power is an insult to the human race. We get a message on Instagram from Panaria and... It's a link to an article about a man who had to have one of his eyeballs removed and he replaced it with a flashlight. What? <laughs> what? Like like a cyborg, like like a Terminator kind? No. Oh, man. Yeah, and they Wouldn't were like, make great? a lemonade. I would love that. I you know. know. I would use like one of those... Uh, LED lights that's connected to uh, the Amazon Echo so I can change its color and Mm -hmm. and, uh, the light intensity depending upon my mood. Sure. Well, Well, you are big on mood lighting. I am. Yes. It's I call it uh, luminary feng shui. You just prance through a room going ambiance, ambiance, ambiance. Well, who doesn't? Come on. (laughs) Even in their heads. Maybe not out loud, but everybody does that. Sure. Guillermo sent us a message. I've been listening to the box for a while now, and I never got a boo effect until I was randomly listening to an old episode, and I heard about how Cat gets violent nosebleeds. Yes, yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, mostly you would get them when we lived in Maine because the air was so dry in the wintertime, but even though they have uh, tapered off a bit since we moved to Florida, you still get them. Yeah. Recently you got one, and it's like... Somebody turned a faucet on. (laughs) It's not just a little drizzle. It pours out of her nose. Anyway, 
So he's hearing about how Cat gets violent nosebleeds. He says, literally, the second I thought about how I used to get nosebleeds like that, I started bleeding so much from my nose. No! I used to get bad nosebleeds as a child and haven't had them until just now after listening about Cat's experience. Maybe it's sympathy nosebleed. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for all the great content. Keep it up. We appreciate that. Jesse sent a message. You'll probably never see this, but I'm listening to box 503 and about lost my mind. When I heard you name drop my high school physics teacher, Scott Marana, as he wrote one of the books you referenced. Our school slash town is so small and I couldn't believe my ears. Mr. Marana was by far the best teacher I ever had and was always chock full of knowledge nuggets in class. He has a few other books, one of which is called Unexplained Mysteries of Jacksonville, my hometown. And I highly recommend looking into it. He's the high school chemistry teacher that wrote the opinion on or the book that had the opinion that the uh, mad gasser was real. He had figured out who it was. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Small world, huh? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the podcast that famous people listen to, but only admit it to their pastors, therapists, or lawyers. And even then, only after a couple of cocktails. This is The Box of Oddities. Prague used to be part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and in August of 1896, Gertie was born to Martha Neustadt and Otto Radnitz. 1936, you said? 1896. Wow. You were Sorry. way off. Wow, I was way off. Or I said it wrong. No, it's it's me. I would never bet that that's the case. <laughs> I am dyslexic. I used to be, too. How'd you get over it? Um, I um, I got into dinner theater. Um, that was a nice distraction. My first performance was in Annie Get Your Nug. I played Annie. Gertie Radnitz was raised in an upper middle class Jewish family, and she was the oldest of 
three daughters. She received her primary education at home and continued to a girls' school. Gertie decided at the age of 16 that she wanted to study medicine. And although she'd graduated from what was essentially a finishing school, her interest in math and science meant she had to continue her education. Now, Gertie came from a family of science types. Her father was a chemist and managed sugar refineries, and her uncle was a pediatrics professor, and he greatly supported her and encouraged her to apply to medical school. Now, the university permitted women to attend, but since girls' schools didn't offer Latin, maths, physics, chemistry, few could actually pass the entrance exam, so they were really setting them up to fail. What kind of courses did they offer? Oh, I'm sure it had something to do with balancing shit on your head. And home ec. Useless bullshit. Gertie entered the real gymnasium at Techen, and largely it was to make up for the education that she didn't receive during her education. She (laughs) spent a year cramming for what she later called the hardest examination I was ever called upon to take. She graduated, passed the entrance exams, and enrolled in medical school of the German University in Prague in 1914 at the age of 18. Wow. She loved it. She became obsessed with biochemistry and a fella. While in medical school, Gertie met Carl Ferdinand Corey. He was also a student and shared her love of outdoor sports and laboratory research. I can see that on his eHarmony profile. <laughs> In 1920, the two published the results of their first research collaboration. Their first joint paper resulted from immunological study of a systems of plasma proteins active directly by pathogens or indirectly by pathogen-bound antibodies, leading to a cascade of reactions that occurs on the surface of pathogens and generates active components with various effector functions in human serum. In, in people talk, what's that mean? I don't exactly understand. Was, uh, okay. Yeah. Sounds fancy. Just, you know, regular paper that they worked on. No big deal. (laughs) They each received their doctorate in medicine, and then they got married. In spite of the opposition by his family, they were convinced that Gertie's Jewish background would hamper Carl's career. When it was really Gertie's competencies that were continually undermined, both because she was female and because she was Jewish. In 1922, the Corys immigrated to the United States for job opportunities. Carl came to join the staff of the New York State Institute for the Study of Malignant Diseases in Buffalo. But also because... That's a specialty. I'm a malignant buffalo disease specialist. Well, I mean, the the center was in Buffalo. It wasn't just about diseases that resided in Buffalo. He resided in Buffalo. So he wasn't a vet then. He was... Okay, gotcha. I follow. No, go ahead. Oh, man. But also keep in mind, it was the 1920s in Eastern Europe, and anti-Semitism was on the rise. Gertie had converted in order to marry Carl, but her Jewish ancestry still posed a risk to the young couple, uh, to their careers and to their lives. Mm. In 1928, the Corys naturalized. In America, they first studied the fate of sugar in the animal body and the effects of insulin and epinephrine and carbohydrate metabolism. This is from NobelPrize.com. Their work on carbohydrate metabolism passed from studies of whole animal to isolated tissues and, later, tissue extracts and isolated enzymes. Some in crystalline form were studied. In 1936, they isolated glucose-1-phosphate. 
They traced its presence to the activity of phosphorylase, which catalyzes the breakdown and synthesizes polysaccharides. This discovery made possible the enzymatic synthesis of glycogen and starch in vitro. The two were inseparable in and out of the lab. The bulk of their 80 publications between 1922 and 1931 were joint publications. And with a couple interacting so intimately, it's difficult to divide credit between them. And so it was decided that no attempt would be made to do so. So they were a team. Like you and me. Yeah. And even though they worked this way, around every corner, it seemed, Gertie was treated as less than. In one instance, during an interview, they were told that it was un-American for a couple to work together. Huh. <clears throat> In Buffalo, Carl Corey ran the pathology lab, and Gertie was hired as the assistant. In 1931, after refusing a position at a university that would prohibit Gertie from working with him, Carl accepted the chairmanship of the pharmacology department at Washington University in St. Louis. Gertie was given a research assistantship at a nominal salary. It took 16 years before Gertie was finally promoted to the rank of professor. She reached the top of the academic ladder, full professorship, all the while publishing papers, kicking ass left and right. The Corey's discovery of a phosphate-containing form of the simple sugar glucose and its universal importance to carbohydrate metabolism led to an understanding of hormonal influence on the effects of sugars and starches in animals. Their discoveries earned them, with Bernardo Husay, the Nobel Prize for Medicine in 1947. Wow. Yeah, she was one of the earliest women to ever get a Nobel Prize. With her husband, Gertie was awarded the Midwest Award of the American Chemical Society in 1946. She received the St. Louis Award in 1948, the Squibb Award in Endocrinology in 1947, the Garvin Medal of the American Chemical Society for Women in Chemistry in 1948, and the Sugar Research Prize of the National Academy of Sciences in 1950. In 1948, Corey was recognized as the Woman of Achievement in Science by the Women's National Press Club. In addition, President Truman appointed Gertie Corey to two terms as member of the board of the National Science Foundation. She was awarded honorary degrees by Yale University, Boston University, Smith College, Columbia University, and the University of Rochester. Gertie said, The love and dedication to one's work seemed to me the basis for happiness. She just found so much joy in her research and working with her husband. And after all of these accolades, after all of these awards, she said, To me, honesty, which stands mostly for intellectual integrity, courage, and kindness, are still the virtues I admire. Though, with advancing years, the emphasis has been slightly shifted to kindness. It seems much more important to me than in my youth. So all of this, and she's like, you know what matters most? Kindness. That's a novel concept. Gertie Corey is friggin' fantastic. Well, I love the name Gertie. Right? Ah. Oh, is that why is that not popular anymore? Is it short for Gertrude? Do you think? Yeah, or, I think so. Okay, all right. Gertie's a great name. It's a wonderful name. <laughs> I got my information from NobelPrize.org, Britannica, Medium, and Biography. Gertie Corey, and also Carl. <laughs> they kicked some ass. This was just in the news. 
And uh, this would actually, this is the kind of thing you, you might hear on our other podcast, The Shallow End with Schneebly and Toth. Uh, on January 2nd, uh, this this past year, two different men, they were they dressed in black. This was in California, and they approached an immigrant services center and tried to burn it down. Oh, no. And there's footage, security footage of this, where they're walking around the outside of the immigrant facility, and they're just pouring gallons and gallons of gasoline everywhere. This was in um, Bakersfield, actually. Oh. They had masks over their face and hoods up over their head so you couldn't really, you know, see who they were. Mm -hmm. uh, and their hoodies were pretty baggy. And uh, because of that, when they lit the gasoline, they, they lit themselves on fire. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, one guy was hunched over. Um, a puddle of uh, what appears to be gasoline, and he tries to light it. The other guy is continuing to dump more out of his container. Uh, the former, when the accelerant caught fire, it did so pretty quickly and pretty violently, and it caught his pant leg on fire, and the other guy panicked and uh, dumped gasoline on himself, and he lit himself on fire trying to run away. No. Yeah. And you, it, the, we're going to post this That's video on, uh, on our the shallow end podcast website of these two guys um disappearing into the night on fire <clears throat> man instant karma is a bitch probably won't cover that story on the shallow end because it's pretty short yeah. we don't know who these people are yet sure although i i imagine police are checking burn units um to find out but if you haven't checked out the shallow end and you just want to feel good about yourself through other people's stupidity mm. it's a good place to do it shallowendpodcast.com we'll see you next time until then keep flying that freak flag fly it proudly you beautiful freak and so let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash BoxOfOdditiesPodcast On Twitter at BoxOfOddities And Instagram at BoxOfOdditiesPodcast Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.